Well, we're looking today at these two stories that uh, Jesus tells. Both of them speak of seeds. In the first, the farmer sows the seed, uh, is expectant and patient, and then he reaps the harvest. And in the second, a tiny seed grows into a huge tree in which birds find shelter. What is this seed? Well, at the obvious level, the seed is seed. It's something that farmers would understand. Yes, they would say that's how it is. We must wait for the seed to grow into grain. And we know the mustard seed. We know that the seed will grow into something huge, even though we're not sure how. But elsewhere in this chapter, and in other stories that Jesus tells, the seed is the word of God. It's the good news of Jesus. It's a message, a word of love, of promise, of warning. It's about forgiveness, about friendship with God, about the kingdom and rule of God, about hope and peace and power. It's about the fact that if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And this word, like a seed planted in the soil, is planted in a person's heart and mind when we hear it and receive it. And in the first of the two stories Jesus tells, or at least this is my take on it, you may, you may have a different reading, but um, Jesus is saying that the seed will bear fruit. The shoots will come, then the head, and then the grain in the head. So he's telling us we need to be expectant. Like the farmer, we should be looking for this growth. But we also need to be patient. This is going to take time, and we need to let God do his work. This is important. You see, in the past, certainly in the West, we rather assumed that there would not be a big change when a person heard the word and received Jesus and received the message. For many of us who are older and were brought up in the West, the values that we were taught were those values which had been shaped by at least 1,400 years of biblical tradition and church history. And we were taught to guard things like family values, respect for authority, faithfulness, truth, honesty, hard work, humility, patience, sobriety, generosity, self-denial, self-discipline, doing your duty, and at least lip service to the idea that we need God and that we will one day uh, stand under the judgment of God. Now, please do not hear me saying that this was a golden age. Far, far from it. It was not. People were blinded by prejudices. There was terrible abuse of power. And there was judgmentalism and hypocrisy by the bucket load. No generation can claim that they are less sinful than another generation. But what I am saying is that when a person received the gift of forgiveness, 
when they welcomed the Holy Spirit into their lives, the church, the people of God, did not expect them to live a particularly different life. Rather, it expected them to live the same sort of life they'd been living, but now, not to their own glory, but to God's glory. Now, not in their own strength, but, to God's, but in God's strength. But our societies today are very different. People uh, have often been brought up in a culture which has very different values. Those of you who were brought up in the Soviet Union under an atheist authority will have been brought up with a particular set of values. Those who've been brought up in the West more recently will have been brought up with a different set of values. We may have grown up believing that God does not exist, that as far as morality goes, we're our own little gods. There is no ultimate authority and that anything goes so long as it does not obviously hurt another person. Truth or lack of truth, or being, uh, what, what's the right, being um, uh, convenient with the truth, what's the phrase of being economic. economic with the truth, thank you, is okay, because it's only a means to the end. And why wait when you can have it all now? It's okay to take what you want, provided that it is legal, or at least you can get away with it. They may have had several sexual partners of indiscriminate gender. They consider marriage to be an outdated institution dreamt up in a patriarchal society as a way of keeping your woman under control. And so when a person becomes a Christian, when they hear the word of God and receive it, Yes, there will be real challenges to what they have been brought up thinking, and there will need to be very big changes of attitude and changes of behavior. But this parable warns us against impatience. We need to wait till the grain is formed in the head, and we need to be patient. We need to be patient with the other person and we need to be patient with ourselves. One of the vicars who I worked for in inner city London used to say that he expected that it took seven years from the point that a person committed their life to Christ until that person became a useful and reliable member of the congregation. Today, he might say it was even longer. When a person becomes a Christian, when they've been baptized, or when they've suddenly realized what it means to live as a baptized person when they've received Christ, they will not change overnight. They will not immediately become perfect. You will not immediately become perfect. The drunken binges or the foul language or the addictions or the abuse of their and others' bodies may well still happen. But by the grace of God, you'll feel far more rubbish afterwards. <laughs> I say by the grace of God because that's not a bad sign. In fact, it is evidence that the Holy Spirit is active in you. Before God came into your life, you couldn't care less. 
you felt grim and awful afterwards, but, but, but now you're becoming painfully aware that what you are doing is in fact hurting many people, destroying yourself, corrupting society, and worst of all, hurting the God who gave us life, who gave his life for us. But this story seems to me to be saying that we need to give the other person and we need to give ourselves time to change. We need to be patient with each other. We need to let the Holy Spirit do his amazing work. And this isn't a cop-out. The expectancy that you will change has to be there. There will be times when we do have to make certain deliberate decisions if we're to grow as a believer. It it might be the decision to, to, to give a tenth, to tithe, or the decision to leave a certain group of people, or to commit yourself to a pattern and discipline of prayer. I know of one couple, and I wouldn't advise this for everyone, but this was what was right for them. They were living together, they both became Christians, and they felt that as an act of obedience, God was calling them to live apart in in separate homes uh, until they were married. In many ways, it doesn't matter what the specific act of costly obedience is, but it does matter that when we have heard the word of God, we obey, even if we then fail. And the change will happen. God alone knows how. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. How does God change this rubbish, rotten heart of mine? I don't know. But he does, and he will. Things that we used to do lose their previous attraction. Other things become become more attractive. Our desires will be transformed, and our behavior will follow on. I often tell the story that I heard about Kyle and Darren. I don't know if it's true, but it's a good story. (laughs) Kyle and Darren were the leaders of two rival gangs in the local Borstal. That is a prison for young offenders. There was a Christian mission, and both Kyle and Darren went along with their gangs for a laugh. But an amazing thing happened. On the last evening, the evangelist made an appeal And to everybody's astonishment, Darren got up and went forward and gave his life to Christ. Kyle couldn't believe his luck. He could taunt his opponent mercilessly. When they next met, he went up to Darren and said, said, So Darren, you've become a Christian. I always knew you were pathetic. You're a changed man now, are you? Everybody step back. Because that before was the sort of challenge that would have resulted in a serious fight. But this time, Darren didn't hit him. He didn't hit Kyle. Instead, he said to him, No, not changed, but changing And then he hit him. (laughs) We need to give people time to change, and we need to give ourselves time to change. We need to be patient. 
Be patient with others. Bear with them, challenge them, encourage them, forgive them, go on forgiving them as they begin this lifelong walk with Jesus. And be patient with yourself. You will to become perfect, immediately brilliant, but, and forgive me for using a very un environmentally unfriendly illustration, this is really eating elephant stuff. How do you eat an elephant? One mouthful at a time. Don't decide to become a monk or a nun if you haven't yet learned to have a regular daily time of prayer. Be patient, be gentle with others and yourself, but also be expectant, and there will be change. Look for it, expect it. And the second story about the mustard seed, Jesus is exaggerating here to make a point. It was a standard illustration of the time, and people knew that this tiny seed would grow into a huge bush. And again, Jesus is speaking about the power of the word, the word about Jesus, proclaimed by a marginalized, powerless church, becomes the great tree that is the kingdom of God. It shelters many people. There are echoes of Ezekiel 40 with its glorious vision of a tree that gives shelter to many beasts and images of believers that you will see as birds in paradise. Recently, we were at, um, visited the Ismailova estate and there were tiles uh, that used to, that were on the that were on the ovens, uh, and they depicted because the whole place was laid out as the sort of the new heaven, new earth. Uh, these tiles depicted birds in paradise. But I suggest that in telling us this story, one of the things that Jesus is doing is giving hope to those of us who think that we are so small, who don't think that we are changing, who are still struggling with the old way of life. He is saying, let God be God. Let the Holy Spirit do his work in you and you will become a place of blessing for many people. I think of Corrie and Haley. forgive me for, saying, for, for, for mentioning you. I'm sure that God has still got many things to do uh, that he wants to do in their lives. Um, we're, we're, the reason I'm mentioning them is we're saying goodbye to them today, uh, which, which is really sad. But I can also see how, because they've been obedient to God and chosen to work at Hinkson Academy, Academy at, a fraction, at a fraction of what they could have got if they had taught elsewhere, and because others have been obedient in supporting them, they have been a great blessing to many. If they will forgive this illustration, many birds have made their nests in them. And it is right that we should honour such people. I hasten to add that this is not in any way running down others who've come here as teachers in the usual way. We each need to be obedient to God in the calling he has given us. And when that happens, we will grow to become like trees which provide a home for many. It's significant that Jesus uses parables to talk about the seed that is the word of God. People could hear the parables as interesting observations about current farming techniques. They could hear parables as stories. Jesus was a great storyteller. But if that is all that they heard them as, 
Then they were like the rock on which the seed fell. It lay there and never put down roots. But the follower of Jesus realizes that there is more to these stories. And just as Jesus explained everything to his disciples in private, we see that verses 33, 34, so we can come to Jesus and ask him to explain them to us. When you're reading a parable or a passage of scripture and you don't understand it, or you find it difficult or even objectionable, talk to him. Ask him to help you understand and use whatever he gives you. Other Christians, those who've written about the passage, think about these things, says Paul to Timothy, and God will give you understanding. And again, give yourself time. If there is something that you can't accept that is there in Scripture, then um, one of my friends used to say, put it in brackets. Say, God, I don't, I can't accept this. I don't understand this. I don't really know what's going on here. But I'll put it in brackets, which means I'm not going to reject it. But I'm going to come back to it and come back to it. And it's amazing how over, over time, sometimes those passages that you once found most objectionable, you begin to find are most precious. We don't exactly know how God changes us. We don't know how God will turn us and transform us into people who will bless many. It is a mystery. But we do know the seed is the word of God. And if we allow God to speak to us through his word, then in time, if we are patient and expectant, that seed will grow in us, we will change, and we will become like the Lord Jesus.